Welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kitchens. I'm a plant-based registered dietitian and virtual nutrition mentor. I was raised on an Angus cattle farm, grew up with a lot of GI issues, and used the power of plant-based eating to promote healing. Here you'll find inspiration, ideas, and encouragement for your own plant-based journey. I'm so thrilled you're here today. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. My name is Ashley. I'm Katie. And today, oh my goodness, we have such a fun topic to talk with you about. We are going to talk about common myths about plant-based eating. And we did a bunch of research. We pulled from a bunch of different myths and we narrowed them down. It was really, really challenging. We narrowed them down to 10. When it comes to plant-based eating, and I know you know this, plant-based nutrition, heck, just even nutrition in general, it's so hard to know what to believe. And there are so many myths about plant-based eating, and a lot of them originate really from just misunderstanding or ignorance or just not taking the time to do research. I know I was there when I, oh gosh, I think back to the comments I used to make and what I used to think about plant-based eaters and vegans. Anyways, we won't go down that, that rabbit hole, but there are so many misconceptions about eating a plant-based diet. But today, Katie and I, we're going to talk to you about how basically we're going to do our best to dispel some of these myths and quote some credible science and research and anything we talk about, we'll throw some links in the show notes to kind of back up, or if there's any like major articles that we mentioned, we'll put them in the show notes so that you can check them out if you want to do some more reading. So here is our list of plant-based eating myths so that you can fearlessly eat plant-based without any confusion. So Katie, kick us off with number one. Nice, big, and strong one on the first <laughs> one is, are we able to physically live without meat. Well, I'm going on, it is actually my 12 year meat-free anniversary tomorrow. So, uh, I haven't died yet. (laughs) I feel like I see that so many places where people who have been vegetarian or vegan for a long time, they're like, I'm still thriving and I haven't eaten meat for a really long time. (laughs) So where do you think that comes from? Ashley, where do you think that myth comes from? Well, I think, well, and we're going to talk about this more like the protein issue, but I think with meat in general, a lot of people say, well, we evolved to eat meat or that's what our ancestors always did. And so that's what we quote should continue doing. And so I think, again, it just stems from, you know, this is the way that we've always done things. And so why would we stop eating meat when that's what we've evolved to do? But Katie, my goodness, it has never been easier to find plant-based meats. And there are so many alternatives out there today. Just, um, a couple of weeks ago, Andy and I, my partner, we went to, we were driving around running some errands and KFC, you know, announced that, Oh, Hey, we have the new beyond chicken nuggets. And so I was like, Hey, Andy, do you want to try these? Cause I wasn't going to try them, um, because I'm gluten-free and they're not gluten-free, but anyways, so we stopped and he tried them and he's like, yeah, they're good. They, they, gosh, they look like chicken. He said they taste like chicken. The breading tasted like typical KFC breading. And so anyways, with all that being said, basically you can find plant-based meat substitutions anywhere and everywhere. So you don't have to eat meat. Yeah. And I think if there's people out there who are really considering kind of going plant-based and kind of like, kind of going back and forth, like how could I ever live without it? I always like to kind of explain it when people are asking me kind of how I do it or whatever. I always like to say that if you think about the meat that you, or at least for me, like 
I would eat barbecue, fried chicken, kind of like a pork roast. Like the meat, it's not the meat that was the good part. It's like all the seasoning and like the breading and like how you roast it. Like what are, what sauces are you, like what barbecue sauces are you enjoying? So if that's the stuff that you like, which it probably is, you, have you tried tofu in the fryer? So good. Uh, like, <laughs> like Ashley was saying, you can get chicken tenders at, uh, you know, meat-free chicken tenders at KFC, you know, got that covered. What else? Like so many spice blends for seitan and tempeh. If you really like to cook and explore all the different spice profiles. So the meat, usually if you take all that away, it's pretty bland. <laughs> so they have come so far in working on, you know, getting textures and all kinds of cool stuff to mimic that. If you like eggs, have you tried just eggs or me and Ashley love a tofu scramble in the morning? Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so usually it's like, just like a texture thing. So try all these alternatives with your favorite spices or preparation that you do with your regular meat. See how it goes. Yes. Oh yeah. That sounds really good. Cause you're right. The sauces and the seasonings. I mean, that is really what makes any dish. So I couldn't agree more. And also too, I think there's a misconception of like, well, if I don't have meat on my plate, I'm going to be hungry afterwards. Cause I definitely used to think that. And I'm going to speak for me and what I thought is like, okay, I'm not going to have meat. I'm going to be hungry, but really it just took me figuring out how to kind of balance my plate in a different way, because I was used to a very particular way of eating. I was raised on the standard American diet and it just took me sort of doing some research and creating different combinations of different foods that I would feel satisfied afterwards. And that took some trial and error, but eventually I figured it out. Yes. So you'll definitely have to check out the episode that we did at the beginning of the year, the plant-based predictions, where we talk about what's coming down the pipeline for plant-based industry in general. And we talk about some really cool statistics about stuff coming up. So they're working on all kinds of exciting things like with like plant-based seafood and just the percentage of growth for the past couple of years will blow your mind. So if you're thinking that you can't just like Ashley was saying, like you're, you're going to be hungry or you're not going to have options. If you think it's going to be hard, it's not going to be hard. It's going to be everywhere. It sure is. So number two, Katie, the myth is you need, I need dairy for strong bones. <laughs> now, Katie and I, we both grew up during that day and age. And maybe you remember all of the milk campaigns. I mean, oh my goodness, there were so many. And even still, I think actually Katie, you sent me, it was like a reel or something. Yeah. On social media, it was like a, a commercial basically for cow's milk. And I was like, I cannot believe these commercials aired because they were so just so far out, so far out in left field. There wasn't evidence or science-based. It was clearly the dairy industry making so much money off of these ads. I mean, spending a lot of money, but also making a lot of money off of these types of ads. It was just, it was wild. Anyways, to bust the Smith, heck no, you do not need dairy for strong bones. <laughs> so my bones have been doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> and all the plant-based milks alternatives have calcium as well and taste way better without all the kind of side effects that come with 
drinking dairy a lot of times. So it's a no brainer in my book. I think it speaks to how powerful because I'm 40 and I feel like got milk and uh, milk does a body good. That was like when I was like in second grade or something. Like, I feel like it was yesterday. So like they like pound it, pound it, pound it into all the commercials and stuff. So it's definitely a part. I mean, it's a part of Americana, right? <laughs> uh, I remember they did a got milk campaign when I went to college too. I still have my, uh, I still have just because of, I don't like it, but it's uh sentimental to me. It's like a got milk mug that I got like on my first day of uh, college. Uh, they were, they had a whole got milk, like it was all over campus. And in the cafeteria uh, where they were giving away t-shirts and stuff with got milk, got milk, got milk. And so, I mean, I don't know what that mar- marketing efforts called where they just like, they just pound it into you. Like, you know, it's all about the, it's not about the quality. It's about the quantity. They just, yes. you know, you don't question it because it's just everywhere. So like, how can you question it? Right. Right. It's yeah. A- it's in school, it's in your schools. Like that's, mm-hmm. where, you know, that's where it starts. And then uh, it's on the commercials and all the celebrities do it. It was a magazine. Yep. I remember we had the magazines where, you know, you put all the celebrities with their milk mustaches and yep. that, that was all over my walls. Cause like I had to have Leonardo DiCaprio on it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. If you want to learn more about calcium intake, we have a link below that you can click from the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. So if you want to just learn more, you definitely can. But by no means do you need to drink cow's milk for strong bones. In fact, there are so many natural forms of calcium out there that are in foods like dark leafy green vegetables and things like bok choy and kale and even in fortified, like Katie said, fortified plant milks and orange juices or juices in general, there are a lot of ways to meet your calcium needs and and, and actually very, very easily than by drinking cow's milk. Now that advertisement that you sent me about cow's milk is coming back to me because it was this like little tiny scrawny kid drinking milk glass after glass after glass. And basically he was like looking in the mirror at his future self who was big and buff and strong in his future. And it had like this you know, quote, hot girlfriend. And this, the person in the mirror was saying like, yeah, keep drinking your milk. That way you can look like me when you get older. And oh my gosh, when I watched, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Myth number three is that you can't get enough protein from only eating plants. What do we know about this, Katie? Oh my gosh. I think we did a whole episode on this. So we did uh, definitely uh, go back and listen to that episode. Cause it's awesome. <laughs> it is. It's a great episode where we take a deeper dive into this very common myth that for whatever reason, or however it, it came about. And it kind of goes with what we were just talking about. If you want to have muscles, if you want to be big and strong, then you have to have meat and, you know, protein comes from meat end of story. Right. Uh, so it's, it's crazy to think about, uh, getting protein from anywhere else because it's just what is kind of peddled to us that, you know, protein comes from meat. And if we want to be big and strong, that's where we, that's where we start. It couldn't, yep. come, it couldn't come from plants. That's just, oh, crazy. heck no. But that, that, then that reminds me of Popeye who ate spinach all the time. Yeah. And then he's like, ding, 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 you know, he gets this like big, strong muscle. I remember watching that at my grandparents' house, like when I was a kid. So I think he got the messaging, right. That at least that I can remember. That's like the only part that I remember. <laughs> 
but yeah, I knew it. <laughs> kind of like what we talked about in that episode that Katie was talking about when we bust myths about protein and in, in particular plant-based protein is that as long as you're eating, so if this is a concern for you, as long as you're eating enough calories to maintain your lifestyle, to fuel your lifestyle and getting a variety of plant foods into your diet, there really is no need to worry about protein. Protein deficiency is actually very, very rare in the United States. In fact, most Americans, we consume way more protein than we need. And some evidence suggests that even plant-based eaters consume one and a half times or more protein than we actually need. So if you're worried about getting enough protein, you can always, you know, if you, if you really, really want to, or feel like you need to, to fuel your activity level, you can always add some plant-based protein powder into your morning routine. If you, if you want to, it's not something that I personally do. It's not something I typically recommend, but again, if it, if it is a concern for you, that's just an easy way to get in an extra 20 grams. If you feel like you want to, I was going to mention Nimai Delgado on Instagram. He's a vegan fitness trainer, and he often talks about his protein intake and he needs a like a lot because he does strength training and everything like that. But I feel like he's very transparent in how he kind of goes about his day to make sure that he gets enough protein and everything that he needs. So speaking of protein, number four is along the same lines. And it's that you need to protein combine. What is that true, Katie? Nah, no. What's that myth? (laughs) (laughs) So this myth, and we'll include a link to one of my favorite videos of all time, sort of dispelling this myth by Dr. Greger, but the myth that plant proteins are incomplete was debunked by the scientific nutrition community so many decades ago. And like I said, if you want to learn more about that, Dr. Greger has an entire video talking about it. And he even goes on to say that like kind of where this myth came from was in a 1975 article from a Vogue magazine where it talked about that, you know, if you're vegetarian or vegan, it's really important for you to protein combine, which is totally false. So our body maintains pools of amino acids that can be used to do all the complementing or quote completing for us. And this comes from the video as well, that our body is able to recycle about 90 grams of protein from our own body to get broken down and reassembled. So basically what this is saying is your body does the mixing and matching for you, the mixing and matching of amino acids for you. So to whatever proportions that you actually need. So it it makes it nearly impossible to eat a plant-based diet that's sufficient in calories and deficient in protein, nearly impossible. So no need to be concerned about amino acid imbalances. That is like a perfect example of how information can last like misinformation can last and how important it is to do your research and not just assume and regurgitate stuff that you hear because there's a famous scientist for those of you who don't know on the side I do dog training so I know all about animal behavior period but dog behavior too and there is a famous article that was or a famous journal that came out about alpha wolves. And this was back in the seventies and how they behave in that kind of hierarchy, which is where kind of like the alpha male uh, archetype came from. And the scientist that came out with that article a few years after was like, no, that is not true. Like that is debunked. Like that is not, that is not how wolves 
act in the wild. That's how they act in captivity, which is not a good, you know, representation of how they yeah. act. Really, uh, they're much more cooperative in the wild, and the the alpha wolf is in charge of kind of keeping the peace and making sure the the young the youngsters are uh, kept track of and that the elderly are taken care of uh, and it's much mm-hmm. more it's much more cooperative and that's how this thing was debunked and he's like stop publishing my book like <sighs> I want, you know I don't want that money even him and he's like stop it and they keep wow. well, that's I mean they keep regurgitating and like you know it's a lingering effect where that was debunked way back when in the 70s but it's still around I was going to say 30 years later, but what is that like 50 years later? (laughs) (laughs) So moral of the story, when you're talking about these myths is a lot of them stem from misinformation. So do your research and make sure you, you, you know, you're comfortable with, you know, the resources that you're taking in and that they're credible. Yep. Yeah. And if you don't know where to find like evidence-based nutrition information, when it comes to plant-based eating, reach out to Katie or not Katie or I, and we can give you that information. Katie at plant center, Katie and me at plant center nutrition. We have tons of resources available at our fingertips that we are more than happy to pass along to you that are available to consumers. So don't hesitate to ask. All right, Katie, what is number five? Number five, plant-based eaters are iron deficient. Ooh, are we? <laughs> we can be. <laughs> we, definitely, <laughs> we definitely can be. And it turns out most Americans, this is one of the most common vitamin deficiencies is iron. So it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. It doesn't really matter what you eat. You may want to get those labs checked to make sure you're getting enough iron. So it's not necessarily uh, a plant-based issue. It's an everyone issue. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Iron deficiency is the most common micronutrient disorder in the world. And plant-based eaters are really no more at risk than regular meat eaters. But a recent review showed that vegetarians and vegans, yes, we tend to have lower iron levels, but we're not deficient. And actually the article, and we can link it below, goes on to say that this actually might be advantageous because there really isn't a need to have high iron levels. And so it goes in to talk more about that, but the authors also concluded that we should simply make sure to eat plant sources of iron, which if you just do a quick Google search of what are plant-based iron sources, there are a lot of great ones out there. And again, this goes back to sort of our messaging of making sure that when you zoom out and look at your week or even your month as a whole, that you are getting a variety into your diet, especially as a new plant-based eater and meal planning can really help with that, which we talk about all the time. Shout out to meal planning. <laughs> yes. Shout out to meal planning. Some of our best friends also too. Then there are other studies analyzing vegan diets and nutrient intakes across different populations. And it consistently brought the same results that vegans have more than sufficient iron and iron intakes. And in some of these studies, actually vegan diets provided even more iron than all the other diets. So really anyone is at risk for a micronutrient deficiency, but plant-based eaters, when we're talking about iron specifically are no more at risk than a regular meat eater. 
And things like lentils, chickpeas, dark leafy greens, chia seeds, hemp seeds, dried fruits. Oh my goodness. They have varying forms of, you know, iron and also to pairing your iron intake with a vitamin C source can help increase absorption as well. So a lot of great things that you can do to make sure that you don't fall into the category of iron deficiency if you follow a plant-based diet or not. And if you're interested in supplementation, Ashley has definitely kind of covered that topic at length. So if you kind of scroll back through her Instagram, we have lots of information on supplementation and stuff. Um, But if you have any direct questions, you can always ask us. So speaking of deficiencies, number six, plant-based diets are nutrient deficient since there's no vitamin B12. Ooh, have you heard this one before, Katie? Oh, just a few times. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, and very, very simply, again, it's really easy to get all the nutrients you need on a plant-based diet, including vitamin B12 without eating meat. And I mean, if you think about it, there is a lot of research out there telling us how healthful a plant-based diet is, or eating just more plants in general is. And Matt Frazier from the Nomi athlete. I, I like how he summarizes this. He says, quote, if vitamin B12 is the only reason we use to need meat and we can now supplement with vitamin B12 and avoid meat entirely, could we maximize our health by doing so? Yeah. I love that. I've see, definitely noticed this in our comments. A lot of times when we're talking about controversial things, like do we need meat to survive or vitamin supplementation, you know, how can going plant-based or veganism be healthy if you need supplements in order to be, be healthy. And I love Matt Frazier. He's, he's awesome. So I love, I love that example as well. Like, you know, when you're kind of looking at it from a pro con type of uh, (laughs) issue, if that's the one, if that's the one downside, you know, I mean, what in life is perfect. Right. And, and like you've said before, it's usually just like iron people that no matter what type of diet may be requiring B12 supplementation as well. So, yeah. In fact, a large part of the meat industry is supplemented with vitamin B12 because they're not getting it from the ground anymore. And and again, we could talk about this for hours, I feel like. So (laughs) it's just, it's, it's a myth that we're, we're busting for a reason. <laughs> Number seven, Katie, is that if you go vegan or if you go plant-based, it automatically means you're going to have good health. The reason we brought this myth in specifically is because I've worked with clients, Katie's worked with clients who have transitioned to plant-based eating and their cholesterol maybe doesn't go down, or maybe they're still on blood pressure medications. And they're like, Ashley, I thought if I went vegan or if I went plant-based that I would automatically have this clean bill of health. I would come off my meds. My cholesterol would automatically go down. And that, that is the case for a lot of people. We've had so many success stories of that happening, but that is not the case for 100% of the population who go plant-based or who go vegan. It it obviously genetics plays a small factor. And so does lifestyle and stress and sleep and so many other things that it goes so far beyond nutrition. So yes, there are so many benefits from eating a plant-based diet, but that doesn't automatically mean that you're going to have this like picture perfect health screen either. Like when you're eating intuitively, the ultimate goal, and again, if you think about intuitive eating as sort of like a 10 step process, the ultimate goal is to choose foods that taste good. Yes. 
but also honor our health at the same time. And so that can take some just trial and error to figure out what is going to be best for you when it comes to foods and, and your labs and you know your doctor's feedback, all that kind of stuff, dietitian's feedback. <laughs> Let's go on to the next one, which is number eight. Katie, what is number eight? Oh, that's a good one. So a plant-based diet isn't safe for children. That's a good one. Um, I love that we have so many podcast episodes to refer you back to. So we'll, we'll link in the show notes, Carla's episode, where we specifically talk about why plant-based diet is perfectly fine for children. And what a great myth to bring up. Cause again, I think that's one of those that's like still a little bit controversial, even though plant-based, I feel like plant-based eating and a vegan lifestyle is much more common now. I think there's still some eyebrow raising when you're talking about raising your, raising kids on a plant-based diet for whatever reason, you know, it's that same thing. Like, Oh, how can they survive if they don't have their (laughs) milk growing up? (laughs) Right. And what's funny is we've talked to a couple other moms who have shared their experience raising vegan kids. And there still is this stigma, even from doctors, healthcare providers saying like, whoa, like you're vegan or your kids are going to be vegan. Like, I don't, I don't know about that. And two, just a lot of judgment from other parents or other people who are taking care of kids who just don't quite understand that. Yes. Eating plant-based from starting at infancy, starting in the womb can be completely healthful for anyone. And in fact, according to the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, this is the group that uh, a lot of dietitians are a part of. I'm a part of it is they, their stance on this is that a plant-based diet, a vegan diet is safe for all life cycles, including little babies. So, and children, it's totally, totally fine. But it does, again, it takes some planning and Carla, who is, she is, uh, she specializes in vegan kids and she's a registered dietitian. She talks about how, yeah, you definitely have to make sure that you do your research, that you do get credible information from people. And she's just such a wonderful source. If you are raising a vegan child right now, or want to raise a vegan child right now. And again, she talks about just making sure that your kids are getting all the nutrients they need to grow and to be healthy. And that might take working with someone like Carla or just doing research on your own from credible sources to make sure that they're getting everything that they need. Absolutely. And a lot of what she talks about is the same thing that we've been talking about is making sure you get, making sure they're getting enough calories and making sure they're getting the variety. So those are kind of the two cornerstones. If you kind of make sure you check those off, you're going to be okay. They are the cornerstones, aren't they? For like they are. all life cycles. They are. <laughs> yeah. So number nine is, ooh, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. The myth is eating soy increases your risk of cancer. Ugh, that even just thinking out loud, just like lights a fire in me. <laughs> And if you're curious about this topic in particular, I have a link in my bio on Instagram specifically talking about this because I think it is such an important topic. And oh my goodness, one of my clients, she sent me a reel from a vegan influencer that basically was demonizing soy. And this, this 
this person has hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers. And she sent it to me and she's like, is this true? Should I only be eating soy once or twice a month? And I was like, this is not based in evidence. This is completely false. Like I was so upset because again, you have someone who has a lot of followers, who has a lot of influence on social media and is out here and, and is vegan as well out here demonizing soy. And so one thing that I like to do is approach this type of information from an evidence-based background, which is why I link that specific paper in my bio, but to... <laughs> please stop me, Katie. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> I love when Asha gets on her soapbox. It's, and you talk, it's all fiery. She, she means business. <laughs> I too. So to, to not get too far down into the weeds, basically soy does not increase your risk of breast, breast cancer. Actually what it can do, it, it can potentially help lower it. And there are a lot of studies out there basically showing that. And Katie, I know, you know, this soy is such a, especially if you're not allergic to it, or if you're not intolerant to it, soy can be such a healthful part of a plant-based diet. And I'm a big fan of soy. I mean, it's an excellent source of protein and it has a lot of other nutrients in it. And in fact, soy has been around for so long, for centuries. And that's why the evidence on soy is so strong is because it's been around for so, so long. And I mean, cultures have been eating soy for a really long time. And so there's a lot of just great information to back up what we're saying and to bust this myth that eating soy is quote bad for you. <laughs> it's only bad for you if you're allergic. <laughs> and I think it's just a, another, I think, uh, again, a running trend through these myths are you just have to question kind of where they originated from some misinformation. It's, you know, it's kind of like a game of telephone. Like every time it gets passed around, it gets a little bit misconstrued. And, you know, so that's again, why it's so important to really understand your resources and, and, and do the, do the work to make sure ingesting in terms of, you know, information is, you know, copacetic. Yes. Just like Katie mentioned with the alpha male wolf example. <laughs> I'm not going to use the right terminology there. Or even with the 1975 Vogue issue talking about you, that you have to combine plant protein. So yes, know where your information is coming from know the, the sources that they're coming from and do like what my client did send, send me or Katie a video and be like, is this true? Or where did this come from? So and we can bust or confirm whatever that is. Number 10, last but not least, is that the myth is there aren't many plant-based eating options. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just laughable. But so I started in 2010, I became vegetarian and the options were, I mean, back then they were pretty pitiful. <laughs> I cannot imagine. <laughs> they were pitiful, but now, oh my gosh, it's like, freaking plant-based heyday over here in the grocery store. And it used to be where it was just whole foods and it was just like really expensive. And some stuff still, you know, some stuff is still expensive. Truffles, no matter, you know, truffles, are <laughs> oh. you know, there's lots of food items that are expensive, but now the options are in your regular grocery store. Sometimes they have a whole section of plant-based items. So it is a great time. It is a great time. There is just no you definitely can't use that excuse anymore. Maybe a couple of years ago, but not now. That is no, no excuse. Cause we have tons, 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 tons of options. We do. And 
places like Walmart, Target, these types of corporations that are in whole different types of cities, it definitely is helping increase accessibility to plant-based foods. Because I know that it does depend on where you live and what's accessible. And I'll say too, Katie, so I typically live in Durham, North Carolina. That's Katie and I are like 30 minutes apart. But I've been for a month and a half, I've been spending time in like North central Indiana in a small, small town. And we have a Meyer. I don't know if you've heard of Meyer, but a Kroger and a couple other different grocery stores. And it's been interesting going from living in Durham, where I typically shop at Whole Foods because it's the closest grocery store to where I live to coming here and navigating different types of grocery stores and what they have available and what they don't. And for the most part, I've gotten by just fine, but I will say, Katie, it's definitely taken an extra level or layer of planning to make sure that I am getting everything that I want and need. And it might even take me going to like a a couple different grocery stores to get what I need, but the options are still there, which is really, really nice. Yeah. And I love that people are like, sometimes we'll be talking and it's such a cliche online that like vegans, like they just can't stop talking about being vegan. (laughs) Uh, And we started a podcast, so maybe that has some truth to it, but, uh, (laughs) but like, you can just be talking like, yeah, I had, uh, you know, I went and got ice cream yesterday and they're like, I thought you were vegan. Uh, Well, it was vegan ice cream. And uh, you know, I was saying the other day, you know, I had this great hot dog the other day. I thought you were vegan. It was a vegan hot dog. So there's just, there's just so many options, but even if you are in a small town, when you're talking about, you know, plant-based broccoli's vegan, lots of breads are vegan, uh, rice is vegan, you know, all that, the potatoes are vegan, enjoying all of those delicious veggies and stuff, you know, all that, all that stuff is vegan. Even if you can't get, you know, a special thing of tofu, flavored tofu or a special, your favorite vegan ice cream maybe doesn't come at this particular grocery store. Uh, You can still, you can still make it work. There's all kinds of variety in, in, in most places. And I'll speak for America at least. Yes. Yeah. Good point. And I know my favorite vegan ice cream is not here, but that's okay. I can wait until I come back to Durham, North Carolina. And also too, you were talking about all these like veggies that are vegan, obviously, but uh, Indy and I, we made a potato soup, like a potato veggie soup for this week oh my gosh it is so good and with like the weather being what it is it's like it's just beautiful and it's so things like potato soup so we made a potato soup and then we also made this lentil oat like it's basically like a, a savory lentil oatmeal and yeah. you put like tomatoes on it and or salsa or just like a variety of different things and the potato soup and that I mean our grocery bill was so cheap this week because I mean, those foods are so cheap. It was amazing. So I'm like, we, we both said, we're like, we need to make these foods more often because the potato soup definitely took a little bit more prep time, but we're like, it's worth it because, oh my goodness, we saved so much money. I know. Let's sneak in number 11 last myth that uh, plant-based eating is expensive. Yes. That's, that's all peasant food, baby. And uh, you buy that stuff in bulk and you can live on that stuff for six months and your grocery bill is low, low, low. And I am all about a low grocery bill, baby. Yes, me too. Oh yeah. Bonus episode or bonus episode, bonus myth number 11. I like it because like it can it. be really, really affordable. 
if you have a myth that you want busted or you want us to talk about maybe on a future podcast episode, definitely hit us up on social media, on Instagram specifically, because we would love to share your myth, or if there's anything else that you have to say about the 10 myths that we talked about, please, please, please let us know. We would be excited, excited to hear it. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. All right. Catch you later. Thank you so much for listening to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you. Until next time, keep thriving.